You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol, and hello, everyone. I'm so glad you've joined us today for episode 154, Listen Like a Hostage Negotiator. (laughs) Now, you, you would think an article about what a hostage negotiator does would focus on what they say to hostage takers to get them to release the people they've captured. I was surprised to learn in an article I read that succeeding as a hostage negotiator begins with learning how to listen. Today's episode is about helpful ideas we can adopt from this unlikely career to improve our listening skills and deepen our relationships. You're going to like this one, so keep listening. The article I mentioned that I read appeared first in the Wall Street Journal several years ago entitled, A Hostage Negotiator's Lessons in Listening, written by Masada Siegel. It's a short piece that I'll share with you, interjecting a few of my own thoughts from time to time. So here's how the article begins. Is listening a lost art? On TV news and talk shows, everyone seems to be interrupting one another. Likewise, in the political arena, Listening is especially rare on social media, where people are eager to talk and loathe to hear other points of view. So recently, I challenged myself, this is the author talking, so recently I challenged myself to talk less and instead to actively listen, ask more questions, and think about the responses. In particular, everywhere I went, I asked people if they felt listened to and if they listen to others. At a media conference, one lady told me sometimes she gets nervous around new people, so she thinks about what she will say as she listens so that she can be part of the conversation. Another said that she wished people would listen and not respond with a solution, because sometimes she's only looking for a sounding board. Well, let me comment on this uh, for a moment. I can understand wanting to be part of the conversation, but I think there's a better way than looking like you're listening when you're actually just rehearsing in your mind what you're going to say when you finally get a chance to talk. To be, quote, part of the conversation, quote, reminds me of the title of that wonderful book by Cal Newport entitled, So Good They Can't Ignore You. And the subtitle is, Why Skills Trump Passion in the Quest for the Work You Love. This is a book every high school graduate or college student should read. The premise of the book is that passion for any area of life doesn't really mean much. To be successful in life, you need to have skills that are so good that people can't ignore you. It's a great career advice book. Anyway, I, I, bet the, I bet that concept would work in being part of the conversation. To be a conversationalist 
so good they can't ignore you would mean instead of working to get your voice heard, you would focus on getting other people talking. It would mean saying things like, Hey, Jake, that's really interesting what you said. Renee, what do you think about what he said? Wouldn't it be great if we had a conversationalist uh, facilitator in all our, all of our interactions with people? I think that'd be wonderful. Well, the author also talks about uh, the person who said she doesn't want to hear a solution to what she's talking about. She just wants a sounding board. I think someone should write a book about a verbal processor like this person. I have sympathy for people like that. People who solve their own problems when they slide their thoughts out of their head, onto their tongue, and out into the airwaves where they can hear them. They'll come to their own conclusions when they're able to verbalize them and hear them. But I don't have any sympathy for self-centered people who want to hold court to be the center of attention. You know, it's hard to tell the difference sometimes, though. Well, back to the article by Siegel. She writes, One evening at a restaurant, I struck up a conversation with a couple and asked their opinion. They said they weren't good listeners and frequently interrupt people because they want to participate in conversations. I talk a lot because I'm insecure and want people to like me, the husband acknowledged. Ironically, I'm reading lots of leadership books, which all say if you want people to like you, you need to be a better listener. Well, let me stop again with a couple of thoughts. I like the admission of the husband who says he talks too much because he's insecure. Both people, the husband and wife, readily admit they are poor listeners. Yet, yet, they don't appear to have any remorse or willingness to change. Do they perceive listening to be too hard? A few years ago, I was giving a talk at a breakout session on how to listen better to each other. The talk was part of a larger conference with a big-name plenary speaker. If I told you who he was, everyone listening to this episode would recognize the name. To my surprise, this well-known speaker headlining the conference sat in on my little breakout session, sitting at the back of the room. After I finished my talk, he came up to me to say he really enjoyed the session and then said the following, You know, I've been told I'm not a very good listener. He said it with a smile on his face, as if to laugh it off as something really not all that important. Now, he, he's a great speaker, and he's had a stellar career leading several large Christian organizations. But I wonder what it would be like to work for him, this self-admitted poor listener. Well, back to Masada Segal's article on how to listen like a negotiator. She continues, Glenn Cohen, who recently retired as chief psychologist and hostage negotiator for the Israel Defense Forces, told me that listening can mean life or death in his line of work. There are five steps to negotiating to a hostage's release, he said. He said the first is listening to the terrorist. 
Hmm. Hmm. The biggest mistake, he says, is to jump to the last step, which is behavioral change, he said. In a volatile situation where someone's life is on the line, there can be no shortcuts. You must listen, as the hostage taker is all charged up emotionally and physically. I'll stop here again and add that when we listen to those going through difficulties, we too are looking for a behavioral change, as Cohen talks about it. We're looking for a behavioral change in the other person. Stop what you're doing or thinking and do what I'm suggesting is often how it goes. It's usually well-meaning, but advice not asked for can be interpreted as criticism. It can even be seen as setting up a power dynamic. I know more than you. Well, back to the article. The hostage taker has his goal, so you must hear him out and understand what he wants to accomplish. Mr. Cohen said. As a negotiator, you are looking for a win-win situation, and a hostage taker needs an opportunity to vent and let off steam as their adrenaline is pumping as they are in the moment. Unless they unload their demands, they don't have the capacity to hear and consider behavior change. The writer of the article concludes with this. Listening is an influential skill. The more you give others space to talk, the better you understand them and the more willing they are to listen themselves. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? In our own conversations with people, it's helpful to think of the person we're talking to as having a goal. We often are too concerned with our own goal like the person mentioned earlier whose goal was to fit into the conversation. I so appreciate Siegel's comment that, quote, listening is an influential skill. What a, what a great way to influence people, by listening to them. When we make the effort to learn how to listen, we bring out the best in others and in ourselves. And like any skill, it takes practice. But it's never too late to start perfecting how we listen to people. We can all start today. So, what, what does all of this mean for you and, and for me? I, I wonder about the people in your life and in mine who, while they are not hostage takers, <laughs> still would like to have a voice to be heard. I think of the quiet people in our lives who are shy and never say much. You know they'll never take any hostages, but you wonder what they're thinking about. Why don't they ever say much? Why are they so quiet? Maybe their personality has been shaped this way because they don't feel safe with people, or with you, or with me. They may not trust others. Or maybe they feel that people don't care what they're thinking that they don't really have a voice. It's possible when they're with lots of talkers and they can't get a word in edgewise, they just give up. Or in gatherings where the topic of conversation changes faster than a ping pong ball in an Olympic table tennis match, they think, 
Really, what's the use? My guess is that if we learned how to listen to people like this, there would be fewer of them. Here's the main takeaway I hope you remember from today's episode. Learning how to listen well is a valuable relational skill. It's an important tool we need to understand others and to impact their lives for good. No one is born a good listener. It is something we can learn to deepen our relationships. And as always, I'd love to hear any thoughts you have about today's episode. In closing, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to reflect on how you could find more joy in your relationships by learning how to listen better to the important people in your life. Because after all, (laughs) you were made for this. Well, that's it for today. In the meantime, spread a little relational sunshine with your relationships this week. It'll do you good. It'll do them good. And uh, I'll see you again next time. Goodbye for now.